0: Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot.
1: Hey, Mike.
0: Hi, Wendy.
2: How was your weekend?
0: It was pretty slow.
2: It was. Yeah, it was pretty slow, but that's perfectly fine with me. So it was fairly relaxing. I watched a couple of movies, neither of them paranormal. Some of them were paranormally boring. Oh. But that's, that's
1: never fun.
2: That's about it. Okay. So, uh, no, but otherwise, no, pretty slow weekend, but I got a lot of stuff done. And well, that's good. Productivity. Yeah. Yes, it was very productive. And so how was yours?
1: Um, mine was good. Very busy. Okay. And um, I ran the furthest I've ever run.
2: Well, that's a, it's always exciting to have a personal best. Yeah.
1: So that was exciting. I also had my first torrential downpour during a run. So that oh, was,
2: that's a good one.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, I'm glad it happened because I want to be prepared and know what it's going to feel like if that should happen to occur the day of the marathon. <laughs>
2: well, it happened to our friend. So. He ran the LA Marathon a couple of years ago. Our friend Swami was running a marathon and there was a torrential downpour in Los Angeles and it ended up taking like eight hours to finish.
1: Oh, wow. I guess I don't remember
2: that. Okay. It sounds unpleasant. Yes. So did you keep going or did you take a break?
1: No, I kept going. I just went, I mean, I didn't really have a choice because I was running out on the trails. There wasn't really anywhere to take cover. Okay. But it was fine. I mean, it only lasted like five minutes.
2: All right. That's not that bad then.
1: Yeah. It was just, it was early in the run. So that kind of sucked because then I was soggy for the rest of the...
2: (laughs) Yeah. One time I was running in the Wisconsin Dells and I had a 20 mile run and it started coming like, like a tornado warning. Oof. And there was nowhere I could go. I was four miles away from the casino, which is where I was staying. Did you go faster?
0: Well, I ran for, safety? for,
2: I ran for a while until I found a house I could sit under for a little while. Okay. Yeah,
1: that would be scary. I, I checked the forecast to make sure there wasn't any kind of like, you know, severe storm mm-hmm. warnings. I think I would have postponed my run if that had been <laughs> right.
2: Because the if there's a tornado <laughs> or something like that, like you might get to the finish line a little quicker, but uh, you also oh, might die. Really dangerous, or end up in Oz, and then you can run the yellow Brick, right? the Yellow Brick Road marathon.
1: Yes, yes, indeed. So, anyway, that was fun, and I got to see a little bit more of the beautiful Wisconsin scenery that yes. I've never been. Parts of Wisconsin I've never been, so it was it was very lovely. And the Sugar River State Trail is the one I ran this time, the whole way, and it was perfectly enchanting.
2: Does it go by Sugar River Lanes?
1: I think it might actually, but
2: it's so far in the woods that I didn't I see. I didn't see. <laughs> so you're running in the driftless area. Yeah. And the driftless area has a whole bunch of ghost stories associated with it. It does and it
1: has, you know, Bigfoot uh, lore there as well. But I didn't see anything weird. I okay, so I saw about seven humans. Okay. And just wildlife, of course you know, cranes and cows and, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and I heard a chicken. I didn't see it though, but <laughs> so maybe it was a ghost chicken. All right. So there's a know. mystery
2: chicken. On but these no ghosts. <laughs> or, or Big Okay. And so the weirdest, uh, the weirdest thing out there was you.
0: Yeah,
1: probably. Okay.
2: All right. Well, that sounds like fun.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. That sounds so, like So we've been very busy with Sunspot mm-hmm. doing tons of playing uh, shows and also recording things and Working up some exciting stuff for our Patreon community. Absolutely. Which we're just really kind of winding up into the best parts of it. So I'm getting excited to, I mean, I've been excited about this for months, but now that our community is growing and we've got people to yes. share the stuff with.
2: <laughs> well, we're about, we're going to uh, schedule our first Google Hangout where we can talk about weird stuff with the Patreon members. And so if right. you guys are interested in joining that, now is the perfect time at othersidepodcast.com hey. slash donate.
1: Yes. Definitely.
2: And uh, we can share in the fun. And then also, uh, our Patreon members are the people that we take show suggestions from. Oh, right. Yeah, for sure. So if you have ideas for shows and want to get involved, the Patreon's the way to do it. Mm -hmm. Speaking of people that want to get involved, Wendy. Yeah. We got uh, two new iTunes (gasps) reviews. That's awesome. Yeah, are they five stars? Let me see. Yep, they are five stars. So that we can. Re- oh my god. We can read them on the air if they're five this stars. This makes cause, my day. Because It means that the people are smart <laughs> and nice. Yes, and they're nice. I like nice people. So let's start with five stars from Mississippi Cricket, who says, "Do you believe in ghosts? What do you get when you cross musician and a paranormal expert? An awesome podcast. Hey, subscribe now, or it'll haunt you later."
1: So not only was it a review,
2: it was like a marketing (laughs) jingle for (laughs) it. I like that So that's That's great, thank you Mississippi Very nice And then we've got one from Abby Noms a Lot Uh, Oh yeah, should I read that one? Yes, please do
1: I love listening to this, it reminds me of my favorite parts of Coast to Coast And it helps me get through my work day I just started listening, but I've been listening constantly And that's the kind of listener we like
2: (laughs) Yes, Abby's been (laughs) nomming on our podcast
1: Thank you for for your noms, Abby.
2: Yes, all all of them, all of them. all of the noms. And I feel like I I need to read the next one because it's written by somebody named Dating the Bass Player, Mike. Is there something you need to tell us? I don't think so. Not that I know of.
1: But I like. Well, they must be whoever they are. They must be very very
2: patient. Yeah. <laughs> I like their attitude. I like their attitude. So great great show. Uh, exclamation five five stars very engaging and entertaining podcast with awesome hosts well thank you dating uh-huh. bass player. thank you great topics and good chemistry between the co-hosts make this a must listen for those interested in the paranormal the odd or just plain cool stuff check it out
1: hey 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 yeah. all right
2: so that's a that's a positive review so if you guys feel compelled to leave a review you can just do that in iTunes. And remember, every review and star rating helps more people to see and check out the podcast. And we really appreciate yeah. it. And we read them on the air.
1: Yeah. So thanks for leaving those reviews, uh, friends.
2: Right. And so listeners. I don't I don't think we can get in the new and noteworthy anymore. We've already been in there twice. And that was a real delight. It was awesome. Um, and so I don't think we're new, but I, you guys are making it so that we certainly are noteworthy. So hey, cool. Thank you for that. All right. Now, now this episode, we stick around the Midwest for this particular episode.
1: Heart of America.
2: Yeah, we're going to uh, <laughs> the heart, of, uh, the heartbeat of America, maybe. Motor City, USA. Detroit, Detroit, Michigan. Oh,
1: and sorry to interrupt you, but I yeah. noticed that you are also drinking out of your Kellogg's Cereal City.
2: Yes, mug. I am. Oh, yeah, and we're drinking. We are both drinking out of our, our mugs. Yes, so uh, Ben, <laughs> our guitar player, his his mother-in-law used to work for Kellogg's in Battle Creek, Michigan. And she gave the whole band little coffee mugs that say her name on them.
1: Yep. A gift from a long, long time ago. But yes. man, this thing's gotten a lot of use. Yeah. And, and
2: we're both drinking out of them today. <laughs> While well, we on, talk about on di- Detroit. Right. On different sides of the city is funny enough. Okay. So that was random.
1: Yes. And also Kiss has a great song about Detroit.
0: Mm-hmm. Rock City.
1: That <laughs> makes it extra special.
2: And famous musicians from Detroit include Alice Cooper, Kid Rock, more recently Eminem, they're all Detroit musicians. I don't know if they have paranormal stories.
1: Don't forget about the whole Motown
2: thing. Oh, and, and of course, the soundtrack of every <laughs> Vietnam War movie, uh, Motown, Barry Gordy. Uh, and Well, Alice Cooper, I mean, he doesn't have a lot of paranormal stories, but you know that Alice Cooper's, uh, the band was named after, this is a legend, the band was having a Ouija board session, and they said they had contacted a witch who was killed in the 17th century by the name of Alice Cooper.
0: A witch, yeah, <laughs> band hair. I didn't know that. Yes,
2: so, um, so that's how because wow. Alice, wow. Alice Cooper was a band before it was a guy.
1: Well, talk about notoriety after you're gone. I mean,
2: right. So now you that get... witch
1: lives on and on and on, and, and metal lovers,
2: <laughs> right? And the orig- <laughs> headphones every day because Alice Cooper's real name is Vincent Furnier, and so the original band was called like Vincent and the Spiders or something like that. So they changed the band's name to Alice Cooper, and then eventually he changed his name to Alice Cooper. Ah. So it's there's several levels there of Alice Cooper. Anyway, but that's one of my favorite Detroit musicians, and obviously has a paranormal bent. But today we're talking to the Haunt Investigators of Michigan, who's the, the kind of the venue, the, they're the official paranormal team of the venue, the Whitney Restaurant in Detroit, and that's the place that was featured on Ghost Hunters this week.
1: It was indeed. And we've got a good friend who has been there on, on multiple occasions. Mm-hmm. And you've heard her on this show, Lisa.
0: Yes,
2: Lisa, the ghost host of Madison, is originally from Detroit. And so she's gone back and she's done some investigations with these guys when they've done the Whitney Restaurant.
1: Yeah, so I enjoyed watching that Ghost Hunters episode because I had seen pictures and I had, you know, obviously talked to Lisa about her experiences Mm -hmm. there. And it was neat to see all the footage of the places where she had described being.
2: Yeah, I thought it was pretty fun. And yeah. if you haven't seen it, make sure you check it out. I'm, I know it's on the sci fi website. And of course, it'll be rerun on sci fi maybe 9,000 times in the next <laughs> week. But uh, so the Ghost Hunters this week did an investigation of the Whitney restaurant in Detroit. And they, well, let's just say they didn't find much. Mwah, mwah. <laughs> <laughs> right. They did not find much. But, uh, you know, it's funny when you watch the, the shows too. Like, I, you know, I probably haven't watched a, a paranormal reality show in a while. And it's funny because. So I watched the Ghost Hunters episode, and immediately the next day when I'm at the gym, Ghost Adventures is on TV when I'm uh, doing the cardio section. And so I start watching that, and I'm like, oh my God, you forget about that, that half the drama comes from like the swish pans and the music and everything going on. So if you're on a real ghost investigation, there are no swish pans. That's where the camera goes quickly from one place to the other. Yeah. (laughs) There's no scary music. It's just you in the dark. Yep. Listening and hoping to hear something. It's always
1: neat because they explore the whole. You know, they they go through the place. Yes, every inch of it, and it was really, really a phenomenal building. Yeah, the, the history behind it's fascinating as well. So,
2: and we go into the history of the Whitney Restaurant, which in the interview it was built in 1890 by lumber baron David Whitney. Right, but
1: you didn't talk to the ghost
2: hunters. From the show, you talked to the... Well, we talked to the paranormal team who's investigated the Whitney a whole bunch of times.
1: Yes. So that's kind of one of their areas of expertise. You could say, say that's
2: one of their haunts. Ah. The haunt investigators of Michigan, are the team we talked to. We talked to the Marks. Two guys would named you say mark. they
1: were on the mark? <laughs> I would say they were ah. on the mark
2: in their favorite haunt, the Whitney. <laughs> but the thing is, what we wanted to kind of do was... So if you guys saw the show, you got a surface level investigation of the whitney restaurant and we wanted to go in deeper with people that have done several investigations there that know more of the history and have gotten more evidence so that's what we're kind of doing today is going in deep past where the ghost hunters go to learn more about the whitney restaurant in detroit so should we take a listen when let's okay i'm here with haunt investigators of michigan and they're speaking to me live from the detroit area how are you guys doing today Hey, Mike, do Mike, well? How
3: are you doing, Mike?
2: Okay, so please introduce yourselves for our audience.
4: Well, again, we are the Haunt Investigators of Michigan. My name is Mark O, as in Ortiz.
3: My name is Mark W, as in Wainik.
0: Okay. Uh, but they,
4: they call us the, the Marks at the, at the Whitney, so it's... That makes uh, it easy. <laughs> yeah, it kind of makes it easy rather than, you know, hey, guys, Mark, Mark. So,
2: so we're talking to the Marks from Haunt Investigators of Michigan, and... You guys are paranormal investigators slash ghost hunters in the Detroit area, correct?
4: Absolutely, yeah. But we also, not well, we are from the Detroit area, but we do move around, and we've gone from places to Salem, Massachusetts, to the Queen Mary in Long Beach, California. So uh, we were in uh, Savannah, Georgia a couple weeks ago. And, uh, did a little mini investigation, uh, cause you know, as everybody knows, Savannah, Georgia is like built on the dead. Yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, right. Great. They got the greatest ghost tours too.
4: They do. Yeah, absolutely. They do. So we're actually, we kind of go wherever we, um, wherever our road takes us. You know, we've actually even did a little, uh, sight scene in, uh, West Virginia where the Mothman was at. So even oh, though God. we're strictly paranormal, uh, You know, not that we're going to go investigate the mothman.
3: But we like a little bit of everything. UFOs, Bigfoot.
4: Yeah, but we're trying to keep it all, uh, basically, our eggs in one basket as far as paranormals.
2: Okay, right on, right on. So how long has Haunt Investigators been in business? How long have you guys been doing this?
3: 2012. 2012. We actually found it in Salem. Yeah. I I kind of like a joke almost because we originally called ourselves the Ghost Bros.
4: (laughs) (laughs) And and it it was just a name that popped up. Uh, and then uh, in Salem, and we did a little investigating in, in Salem while we were there, because uh, I've always been fascinated by this. Even as a kid, I always used to see the dead, uh, if you want to call it.
2: Uh, well, well, hold on. Hold on. Let's let's start there. All uh, right. So, so Haunt Investigators Michigan started in 2012, and you guys have been together since the beginning. Yes. Yes. Okay. So let's start with real quick how you got interested in the paranormal in the first place. Let's start with Marco and then we'll ask you too, Mark W. I
4: love it. Marco. That's perfect. <laughs> okay. That's good. Uh, well, as a kid growing up in the house I uh, lived in, uh, I used to see uh, shadow figures, if you want to call it that. Uh, and uh, as a young adult, I, would, I continued to see them, but I didn't under, I, I went down the end of the hall of the house and saw somebody walk from one room to the next. And could have swore somebody was up there, but I was up there by myself. So I've always had these experiences as a kid growing up. Okay, uh, so that's how I kind of fell into it as an older adult, and uh, I just thought it was fascinating. And then, of course, you know, you watch all the paranormal shows, and it was like, well, you know, we can do that. Anybody can do this. So, right. uh, I, and then I met Mark, uh, who's a longtime friend of uh, of uh, my Your sister, because right. Mark works for Delta Airlines.
2: Okay. And, uh, uh, so he actually, has so we st- take all complaints to him.
4: Absolutely. Yes, <laughs> he, I,
3: I told you not to say that.
4: But we're real people. We've got real jobs. He works for Delta. I worked for AT&T 35 years. So we're, uh, but we do this paranormal stuff because uh, we love doing it. And, but uh, my interest is because I had this,
2: uh, these experiences growing up. Real quick, Marco, you grew up in the Detroit area yeah. and did you ever find out if your house had any kind of history or anything like that that might have contributed to you? Was it the house or do you think it was you?
4: I think it was the house uh, because other members of the uh, the house, I grew up in a big family, half the members of my family had experiences, the others didn't, uh, but I think it was the house. The house is no longer there. It's torn down. Never did the research because, you know, uh, back then, you know, who, who knew anything about uh, paranormal investigations as far as, you know, as far as... Uh, in, trying to find, figure the history of the house. You know? Nobody knew to do that. At least I didn't. Uh, that's how I kind of got involved.
2: Okay. And Mark W., did you have experiences as a young man or anything like that?
3: Oh, absolutely. Um, as a child, uh, I actually, uh, for a while, I grew up in Romulus. And as a child, uh, my bed used to get shaken at night.
2: Wait, so you grew, you grew up in Romulus?
3: Uh, as a child, until I was about five or six. But my actual hometown is Northville.
2: Okay. No, I didn't know that Romulus was a town. I just thought it was one of the brothers that founded Rome, right?
3: No. <laughs> you know, ah, ah, Romulus, no. no. <laughs> Michigan. Okay. Sweet name for a town. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but as, uh, as a child, my bed was constantly being shaken. Um, also, I've had uh, two out-of-body experiences that I cannot explain. I've woken up and told my doctor everything that happened to me. And also, uh, I've had some dreams that have haunted me. And actually, my ex-wife has had dreams that I've actually been in, her me actually dreamt the same dream at the same time. If 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 I know it's kind of hard to believe, but uh, she always said that she was always afraid that this—I don't want to say it was an entity or—I—I I really don't know what to call it—but she said that she always feared this this spirit, I guess.
0: Okay. And uh,
3: she uh, she pretty much uh, for a while I, I didn't want to believe her. I always kind of blew her off. Until one night, we actually fell asleep, and I was in here a dream, and I actually felt this entity trying to harm my wife.
2: So that's like some nightmare on Elm Street stuff yes, you got going yes. on. Yes,
3: And till this day, I, I cannot explain it, but it's, I, I've, uh, I've had some experiences.
2: Okay. And so did you, in the house you grew up in, did you ever find out what was shaking the bed or anything
0: like that?
3: No. Uh, we moved. That's when we moved to Northville, and I never found out what it was. So I, I, I really can't explain it, but I know that it happened first a fact. Uh, and, and also, I, I've seen uh, uh, a buddy of mine. I went over over his house one night, and uh, I went down to the basement. And as I'm down in the basement, I saw the shadow figure looking at me. And it literally just scared the hell out of me. And I, and I ran upstairs, and I, and I looked at my buddy. And I said, you're not going to believe what just happened to me. I saw a shadow figure in your basement. He goes, yeah, I, uh, we know about it, Mark, but we just don't tell people about it. You're one of the first people that's ever seen it. So that, that was pretty.
2: Okay, so you had a up. that's always exciting, I think. Ed, especially when you have some kind of report confirmed. You know, that when you said, like, hey man, I saw something weird downstairs, and that like that guy's like, Yeah, dude, I saw it too. Like it's, yeah. <laughs> don't worry, you're not crazy. It's yeah. there.
3: Because I really thought I was crazy. Because I wasn't even gonna mention it because like you said, well, he's gonna think I'm crazy. Right. You know, and when I didn't mention it, he confirmed it, yeah, that it's there, that his family has always seen
2: it, so. My best paranormal experience was also seeing a shadow figure when I was a, a teenager, and I saw it with a group of people, and everybody, you know, we all saw it. It was just, you know, wow. it was, it was unmistakable kind of thing. I, I've gone into detail on, on this podcast before, and I talked about it, but it's those things that, that happen to you that sort of set you down the path. that You're like, okay, now this is something I'm into, where a lot of people... You know, I, I think Bill Murray put up best in Ghostbusters when he's like, stop it, Ray, you're scaring the straights. You know, <laughs> I mean, that that is how it is because there's, the, there's the people that are into this and then there's the people that aren't. Yeah. And so you kind of learn that. I think those experiences a lot of times are what separates, you know, guys like us and the people who, you know, appear and, and hang out in this podcast and also and then <laughs> the rest of the world.
3: Right. Well, Mark and I have always said we love talking to the skeptics the most. Yeah.
4: Not that we try to convince them, right?
3: Uh, right. but
4: uh, we, we, I guess we want to show them, tell them uh, that stuff like this is happening. You know, we
2: can't explain it. Uh,
4: skeptics, so yeah, we love to talk with them the most, just to pick their brain and see why they don't believe in this stuff.
2: I think a lot of people, too, they just think, well, if they've never had something weird happen to them, they're just like, well, you know, it they, they must be making it up. Either they're crazy or they're lying and not understanding that. You know, you guys are telling me your experiences right here. And, you know, the people on the podcast can't see your faces and everything. But you're just, you're saying, this is what I saw. This is the thing. And whatever it is, you believe it happened to you. And it's not a matter about being crazy or matter about lying. Something happened to you. And you know, yep. if, if you would have said, like, oh, I... The shadow figure then came to my house and we talked it over and stuff like that. I found out his name was Bob and then we started hanging out after that. Then I'd be like, okay, we'll, we'll talk about this later. But the fact is weird things happen to people. And if you can't find some explanation for it, which is, it seems almost impossible, you at least need to be able to explain it in a safe space. And I think that's one of the things when you talk about groups like Haunt Investigators of Michigan, that's what you help provide. So you guys got into this, sounds like, at a a pretty young age. And you guys met because, Mark W., you were friends with Mark O.'s sister. Yes. (laughs) Okay. And so, did like, nearby towns or same kind of high school or...?
4: Well, I I live in the uh, Detroit area, Dearborn. Okay. Uh, And Mark's out in uh, Northville. Northville. So he's actually worked totally different parts. Uh, But my sister worked with him for many, many, many years and didn't even know this guy existed until... Uh, basically it was a chance meeting. Uh, I don't know where we were at, but yeah. he said, Oh, I work with your sister Been working with her for, you know, 25 years at the airlines. Yeah. Oh, wow. So
3: yeah, I, I didn't even know you existed.
4: <laughs> no. So that's how, how we met. But uh, I actually started, uh, uh, investigating even before Salem was, uh, back in the 84, 85, uh, was down in, uh, the Myrtles plantation down in Louisiana. Okay. Yeah. It's, oh yeah. It's supposed to be America's favorite or most haunted house. And, uh, was that down there with a buddy, and we, start, uh, we started taking uh, infrared pictures. So I actually started back in the 80s as far as uh, uh, doing the investigation, but really just let it go until uh, 2012 when we started. Okay, let's just do this.
2: It's funny you talk about the Myrtles. We, had a, we have an episode about the Myrtles, but also my, my sister and I stayed down there one summer when we visited Louisiana. And the funny thing is, like, so we had our, uh, our parents just, like, dropped us off, and they went to go back to New Orleans, and we were there just, you know, staying there. And I thought that there would be somebody staying on the plantation with you, or there'd be more, like, security or something for a haunted place. No, there was somebody staying, like, half a mile away, and it was just your group staying over in the haunted house. Yeah. You know, and they tell you, like, well, here's, here's the places that you're, you're not supposed to go to, and uh, that's it. You're like, uh... It's just, it's just me and the angry slave ghosts.
0: Right. Uh, yeah,
4: yeah. Great. We, yeah, we didn't see anything, but we did take pictures, but nothing came up of the, uh, the filming. We didn't catch anything. So,
2: no, we didn't, we didn't find anything either. I, the scariest thing was that I was just scaring the crap out of myself that night. By <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, right. So 30 years ago, you were working on this. And, and Mark W., when did you start getting interested in the investigation?
3: Oh, I would probably say about the time I saw the uh, shadow figure down in my friend's basement. That really got, I mean, I had an out-of-body experience before that, but just seeing the shadow figure really got me interested in it. So I, I took it to the next step and started doing little investigations here and there, doing some audio, some EVPs. So and it just rolled over to what we're doing now. So just one thing led to do, another.
2: So how big is the group right now?
3: Uh,
4: seven, seven people? Of seven of
3: us. I'm trying to think. Uh, it's about seven of us.
4: Um, and usually not everybody can make it. So you know the, the seven is kind of a good number. I, I mean, we can we can get as as big as you know twenty because people are always asking us, hey, can I can I join your group? Can I join your group? During our paranormal dinners, we people ask us afterwards, hey, can I can I come with you guys? Can, how do I join? So uh, we like to keep it at a minimum because uh, during investigations in some places you know, we can't have everybody there. It's just too way too many people uh, for investigations. So the is a good number for us. Yeah.
2: And uh, somebody that's been on the podcast a couple of times, too, um, Lisa Van Buskirk, who uh, works as our Madison ghost tour guide. Yeah, she's
3: um, great. Hey, See Yeah. Lisa. <laughs> we well, hi, Lisa. How you doing, Lisa? She'll be
2: listening. And she was with you in one of your paranormal investigations at the Whitney. Yes. And let's, let's talk about it a little bit, because the Whitney is of be the focus of this episode, because it was the featured investigative spot on the last episode of Sci Fi's Ghost Hunters show. Which, uh, I, you know, when it first was on, I I didn't miss it. Now I just watch it every once in a while, but it's still a, it's still interesting. It's still, you know, the reality TV thing still blows my mind every once in a while when you see the flash pans and, you know, it's it's still fun. So you guys, uh, when Lisa joined you and you talk about your paranormal dinners, you guys have a regular investigation that you do at this house in the Detroit area, right?
4: Uh, regular investigations, um, we can get in there and investigate whenever we want.
3: Yeah. Okay.
4: Uh, one Sunday out of the month, we uh, we hold we host a paranormal dinner. They sell it's a five course meal, and at the end of the meal, we do our presentation. We'll show them audio, video, pictures of all the uh, activity activity that we caught. Uh, so that's once a month, and during uh, October, during the Halloween, it uh, we, we do it more and more as far sure. as uh, more days because uh, it's just bigger and bigger. Uh, right. But this investigations, uh,
3: right? But the Halloween is for entertainment purposes. Yeah, but we still have a great time doing it. Yeah, but,
4: uh, but as far as investigations are. We can do it whenever we want. And we were there last night holding a meeting uh, because we're going to do another investigation uh, because there's three buildings on the ground there.
2: uh. Let's go into the history a little bit, just of the place to kind of set the stage for people who may not have seen that Ghost Hunters episode yet or who might be unfamiliar with the place. So this is the Whitney Mansion. And this this is a massive house built by a lumber baron.
3: Yes, David Whitney.
2: And what year did he build the house? 1890?
3: Uh, 1890 to uh, 1894. Okay. And it's actually 21,000
2: square feet. Okay. So, I'm in I'm in a little studio right now, so it's like let me just let me just think how much it's like 44 times the size of the room I'm in right now.
3: <laughs> yeah, the place is massive and it's it's beautiful. Uh we love going there. Yeah. It's just beautiful stained glass Tiffany's stained glass. Just beautiful.
2: And David Whitney was a lumber baron? Yes, yeah. It's one of those great, you know, you think of um the, the titans of industry at the end of the 19th century, right? Like Rockefeller or Carnegie or all these people that made a massive amount of wealth. David Whitney falls into that group.
3: Yes. Yes. Yeah. He was yeah. actually one of the richest men in the state of Michigan at the time. He's originally from right. Massachusetts. Right.
4: Uh, took his lumber uh, business to the Midwest. Uh, and uh, he, I think he had a, a lumber business in, I think it was Wisconsin. And then uh, in the in the Michigan area. And then he let the the, uh, the Wisconsin area go. Uh, focused in Michigan, built the home. Uh, 1894 was complete. Yeah. Uh, beautiful, big, big home. Just uh, if you guys watch the episode, you'll see. They'll show the inside, uh, how big it is on the outside. So, and yeah. it was
2: the first home in the in the country in the United States to have a working elevator inside, right? Like it. Yeah.
3: Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs>
2: okay. So Let's say you have a rich friend, and the guy's got a McMansion or something huge, you know, in the burbs. It still don't have an elevator.
4: Right. <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> Absolutely. And this, as this one had it, one. Yeah, uh, yeah. Thomas Edison actually did some work, electrical work inside the house. Yeah. On the first floor. Yeah. That
2: oh, was, wow. Like, yeah. because I guess electricity was just coming into fashion or probably lights and stuff it was, on the inside. It
3: was the first, one of the first houses with electricity. It was, I want, maybe not the first, but real close to yeah having, uh, being the first for
2: electricity. So it's a real historical place and it's, there's, three different buildings on the property.
4: Yes. The uh, building behind the Whitney is the uh, the carriage house and they feature, that that's featured on the show. They show the guys going up there and um, the other building is the Canfield house which is uh, as you know the the when the Whitney's passed it they passed the, the the business or not the business but the the building onto the Wayne County Medical Society. So right. It was actually a hospice and people did pass away. Yes. And uh, they they took the the bodies of the, of the deceased into the Canfield yeah. House, and they had, they stored them there until it was time to process or to be
3: moved on. Yeah. So that's um, one building the Ghost farmers didn't get into. Yeah,
4: uh, but the carriage House in the back—that one's probably the most active uh, of the of the buildings that we've investigated.
2: All right, have you investigated all three buildings? We're going to be
4: doing the uh, the Canfield House I'm, come um, the fourth September. 4th. September fourth. Uh, so we're going to do all three at the same time. We're going to rotate the crew. Uh, but we've, we've never done the Canfield House because they never thought about investigating it because I mean that's where the bodies were kept. So that'll be a first for us. But the other two we've done.
2: Okay. Well, let's go into that a little bit. So wh- when was the first time that you guys investigated the Whitney?
3: You want to tell them the story? Actually have what was the first time we'd been was to the Whitney? Or we, uh, how we got in, involved with the
4: Whitney. Yeah, <laughs> how,
2: how did you guys get in, involved with the place? Because it was, it was a hospice for a while, and that's a place you're not going to want to hang out at. No. Nobody's like, hey, let's go to the hospital. Let's, let's lift our spirits.
4: <laughs> well, that was way before our time. The hospice. Okay,
2: right. and then was it a private residence again, or when did it become a restaurant slash bar kind of entertainment place?
4: I would say the '80s, the early '80s. It was uh, uh, somebody bought it, and I don't have any names of sure. the, the person who bought it. Uh, but they had, I think it was a restaurant. Then it was passed on to Bud Liebler, uh, who bought it. Right. Oh gosh. My dates—I can't think of the dates—but he turned it into a restaurant. And uh, he originally just wanted to buy the carriage house in the back, but the owner said, "No, it's a package deal." So he bought the whole thing. He bought everything. So.
2: Okay, so it's just one of those because there's a lot of places where older mansions eventually become uh, restaurants and entertain- There's a very famous place in Saint Paul called the Four Paw Restaurant, and the, the Four Paw too has a ton of ghost stories from the the things that happened there when it was a private residence. And in between in the area I grew up, um, my first job was as a busboy at a restaurant that used to be, well, it started out as a home and then it became a brothel and then it became a church and then it became, you know, all these different things. And then it eventually becomes a restaurant. So the Whitney sounds like it's one of those great traditions of some massive, beautiful Victorian structure eventually becomes a place where, well, people might like to eat here. And because of all the history, there's stories associated with it. So yes. how did, how did you guys get associated with it?
4: Um, it, it was, uh, God, it was my bachelor party. We had, uh, <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Uh, uh, okay. We had, we had heard about, uh, the Whitney, star? the Whitney ghost bar, even though we were, we were in the paranormal, we did some uh, early stages of investigating. Uh, we had heard about the third floor of this place. is called the ghost bar. Never been to the third floor, but I had actually have been in the house for past Christmas parties with companies. So uh, we just got back from the casino. Mark hit for three, $400 on a slot machine. There.
0: Hey, hey, hey. Yeah. yeah,
4: yeah so so drinks on Mark. Uh, yeah, well, literally. Yeah. So we, uh, we went to the Whitney, and uh, it was probably 11 o'clock. We get to the door. The, the, the host answers. She says, Hey, guys, uh, uh, you know, uh, you guys here for a dinner? I said, No, we're, we want to go to the ghost bar. And she says, Well, it is closed, but you guys want to go ahead and look? Go, go, right, go right ahead. So we walked up to the third floor. It's about fifteen of us guys are staying at the Ghost Bar. It's absolutely beautiful in there, and we're looking at each other like, "Okay, well, the bar's closed." And uh, Tony, the manager, uh, comes walking up. He says, "Hey guys, how you doing?" Uh, "Sorry, but the bar is closed today." Mark looked over at Tony and said, "I got three hundred dollars. Says you're open."
3: <laughs> ah, yeah. <laughs> and he opened the you know. bar. <laughs> yeah. And That's how it started. Yeah, that's for how us. it all started. <laughs> yeah.
2: Nice.
4: Yeah, it worked out
2: great. The third floor they actually call it the Ghost Bar, so they use some of the, um, you know, the, the legends associated with the place in the marketing. Yes. Of it. Yeah. Any any kind of particular specials in there? Do they you know they call anything like the? Yeah. They're, they're, uh, they're, you, they're, you, you I, I,
4: right. I <laughs> had all five of them last night. It was the uh, it was a martini called the Witch's Brew the or the Witching hour. Hour. the Witching so, Hour. Uh, yeah, it was it was it was a great night. <laughs> all right, good. It was.
2: And okay, and you guys didn't see anything that first night, though, when you talked to Tony and you talked to the bartenders and everything, did you ask him, like, hey, have you guys seen anything weird here, or is everybody just partying? No, no
4: not, 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 not the that first, first night. no, not the first night. it It all we started going back uh, maybe a few weeks later, and then we'd ask uh, we'd ask the people that worked there what experiences they had, and uh, then the floodgates open. and then uh, you would hear story after story after story. and uh, and then what happened was, um, uh, we gave Tony our number. He knew what we, what we did uh, as far as a hobby, um, and he said that the Emotion Picture Institute of uh, Michigan were doing a – the students were doing a documentary on, on paranormal, on ghosts. So he called us up. He asked us, hey, would you guys like to be involved in their film? And we said, yeah. So we actually uh, jumped on board, and I told Mark, I said, we have to do this because they're going to ask somebody else, and those are – they're going to be the lucky people to the investigators to to, yeah.
3: to get the so Whitney.
4: So we have to do this. So we did it, and that's how we got stuck—not stuck in a good way. <laughs> right. We got stuck at the Whitney. Yeah.
2: yeah. When you guys did your first investigation, what do you think was the the best story you heard from somebody that worked at the Whitney before you guys went in to do that first that yeah. first research night? It would
3: have to be Grace's table. Well, About what do you say? Probably. The Gra-
4: well, Grace's table came in afterwards because it was. But, uh, I think that.
3: What grabbed us the most, though,
4: eventually. Yeah, I think so. But we'd, we'd heard stories of, of David Whitney yeah. a- actually disappearing through the floor uh, in one of the rooms. So we, we, were, we were focused as far as the mansion itself, as far as investigating. And uh, we heard the story about Grace's table, which is in the carriage house. Grace was the oldest daughter of David Whitney, uh, who used to have tea up in the carriage house. So we ended up going to the carriage house and... Uh, uh, trying to get Grace to talk to us. Uh, little did we know we got more than Grace, actually on, on, on audio.
2: How did you guys do that then? What kind of equipment do you guys use when you go investigate?
4: The number one thing uh, that we use Audio. Is audio, digital recorder is sure. probably the best equipment that we can walk away with. I'll, I'll take that audio equipment. Absolutely. But, <laughs> but uh, we use an EMF, uh, an EDI meter, which is basically the same thing. Uh, our SLS XCam, which is uh, what they use on the Ghost Adventures. It's the uh, the video that uh, measures the temperature, uh, the senses uh, distance, uh, night something, uh, night vision. Yeah. Uh, but we actually use that and uh, been
2: very very lucky catching
4: uh, figures on this up yeah, in the church. stick figure.
2: So the LSSX cam. I think I saw that when we were um, doing an investigation at in a place called the Old Baraboo Inn here in Wisconsin. Is that where you see the stick figures moving around? Yes. Okay, and I know they use that on Ghost Adventures now. That's temperature, or what exactly? Because I I couldn't figure out exactly what the science was behind it.
4: You know, I I, I wish I was the inventor of that thing because uh, I'd be making a lot of money. Uh, but it, it, it uses uh, thermal temperature
3: uh, distance. And there's one more. It's like three different uh, uh, pieces of equipment in one.
4: Uh, and I, I it escapes me at what the other what the okay. other one is.
2: But it just it was a really interesting piece of work. And you said that you know, you've know, you got a lot of activity with the SLX cam in the carriage house. Now, let, let's set this up real quick. So on the show, and we can talk about the difference between the stuff that you've seen there and the stuff they saw on the show, but on the show, it showed the tea set set up on the table. Yes. And they were trying to talk to Grace, David Whitney's daughter, who used to have tea in the carriage house. And the, t- the whole tea set was set up on the table in this, in this car- carriage house. People don't usually go in there, right? No, no, it's
4: it's, it's uh, because there's a lot of uh, there are some boards and they're like uh, floorboards that are kind of weak. They don't allow uh, people in certain areas. A lot of people, uh, but you know, it's not open to the public. But when we do the uh, paranormal tours presentations, we will go up there with a with uh, you know probably 20, 30 people and uh, talk a little about uh, Grace's table what happens.
2: And so the tea set is set up all the time, or that was just for the show.
3: No, it's all the, all the time. time. Yep. Nobody touches it. Just leave it alone.
2: Okay. Now let's set up the investigation that they did there in the show. So they had the two girls go up there, Grant's wife and somebody else. And then they had two of the, like Dustin go up there too. Yeah. And uh, KJ. KJ. Dustin and KJ went up there too. And they both went there at separate times. But the idea, like this is where most of the activity that I think that happened in the show of the ghost hunters was in the carriage house. And it was specifically around Grace's table. Yeah, now, yes. besides the tea set set up all the time and that Grace used to go there to have tea, is there any kind of other legend associated with that place?
4: Other than Grace?
2: Yes, with the carriage house.
4: Oh, with the carriage house. Oh, the carriage house. Well, the, uh, the Visiting Nurses Association set up offices up there. Um, and we've actually had, during one of our, our tours, uh, impacts, separate impact sensitives that actually had sensed an angry man, uh, a small child, in a woman. And we were actually surprised by that because we knew that before they, they told us this. So the impasse, they were actually almost dead on uh, from what they were feeling, what they were sensing, or what they were seeing. Uh, because we did, uh, we did catch uh, a small child on, on audio singing to us. Yes.
2: In the show, uh, what happens is, is they're up there, and then they move like one of the cups on the table or whatever. And then I can't think of what the name of the... Um, uh, it's like an antenna-like piece of ghost hunting equipment. Yeah, I, uh, Ram, a pod. Yeah, a pod. And can you explain that real quick for people that might not know what a pod is?
4: It's, um, God, it's, I'm trying to think of the size. Size comparison is probably, uh, well, it's not big, but what it does is it, it senses the uh, environment. It also senses temperature. Uh, and basically any electromagnetic field that basically it's in the area, and they say ghost to be able to, able. That's what, that's what they emit or put out. Uh, so any anything that comes near this antenna, it'll activate it, will set it off. So yeah. you can just put your hand yeah. on it, touch it, it'll activate it.
2: But, so uh, and it's kind of like that same thing, like a TV antenna, Yeah. as far as size wise.
4: Yeah, it's it's a small little. I, I'm trying to think, of like a, maybe a, like a large hockey puck, and with an antenna sticking out through the top of
2: it, and it goes off. Like it, so, yeah. the, you know, you put it down, and then you ask the ghost a question, and they go. Bah! Like something like, you know, it, yeah, it, absolutely. It, it, it's like yeah. your smoke detector going off, Right. So that's just, just want to set it up uh, to, to explain for the people listening. So in the show, they move one of Grace's cups and then they say something. They're like, are you, you know, if you're here, can you say something, Grace? And also of the, the REM pod goes off and then there's a movement behind Dustin or something like that. So like that, it seems like the carriage house, that's, that was the most interesting to me that they asked a question. The REM pod went off and some movement happened. Yeah. And then they also said like, hey, can we hear your voice? And you hear like a Whoa. To them, it sounds like something. To me, it sounds like something going like this. Whoa. So <laughs> I didn't quite catch it. Uh, so that was the evidence they found in the carriage house in the show. Now, what, what kind of stuff have you guys found in the carriage house?
4: We left our cameras rolling one day. Uh, we left it rolling for four days. We actually had uh, toys set out uh, because of the story of the little girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. We had a doll. We had a, a coloring book. Um, just some toys, whether it was a little boy or a little girl, we didn't know. Uh, we had our cameras running for four days and on the fourth day, uh, Mark and myself, just us two, we went back to the carriage house to start breaking down equipment. Uh, and it wasn't until later until we started listening to the audio is what we caught. And, uh, during that stretch of time when we were up there for about an hour, we caught, I think four different, uh, EVPs. Uh, what we do usually when we walk up there, we were, we were announced, we'll announce ourselves. And I yelled out, "Anybody here?" And what we caught back was a "Yes. It was like a long-drawn-out "Yes!" You can hear that. Uh, after uh, breaking it down, you can hear uh, uh, you can hear us breaking the boxes and tearing things apart. Uh, we caught, to me, it sounds like a small boy humming a song. You can actually hear him humming a song) uh, Another uh, another one is uh, two men actually telling us to get out. get out. Your your classic typical ghost get out, just like that.
2: So you guys heard it sounded like two people saying it, or like like a get out, get out kind of thing. It was
4: two to me. It sounded like an angry man and a, and another man at the same time saying the word get out. But that's what I hear because everybody will hear a different thing. Right, interpret it different. Yeah. yeah.
2: So these EVPs happened would You say within a certain time frame of you guys being in there because you said you had the cameras up for a long time, yeah. This happened all in the time that you had come to get grab the stuff,
4: yes, yeah. And it seems like uh, uh, it the activity happens when there's people there to interact, they want to talk to you, they want to know what's going on. But when there's nobody there, I mean, you get your strange sounds, your bumps, your knocks, we don't know what that is. Uh, but the activity as far as talking, we caught that while we were there within in, in a short time too.
2: And so you got there, so what kind of uh, recorder did you set up? Did you set up just your, your iPhone or a digital audio recorder? What did you, what did you use to record the stuff?
4: A uh, digital recorder, but we also had our uh, DVR security cameras in each room, uh, so we had video going at the same time.
2: Okay. It sounds like that the EVPs you got when you were there were several different entities. So you said sound like a couple, like an, at least an angry man and then another guy and then a boy. Yeah. And then did you catch any, uh, a little girl? Did you catch Grace?
4: Well, uh, we caught a woman and uh, during the, the ghost Under show, when you see uh, Dustin and, and KJ up there talking to Grace, I think there was a part where they were talking as if Grace was a small child. Because Grace was, Grace was an older woman right. when she came back and had tea. Uh, she oh. lived overseas. Yeah, she was a little girl. Well, right. She was an older woman as she had tea. So, but I think they were talking as if she was a little kid. Yeah, yeah they,
2: was... made it, they made it sound like there was just some little girl in the room. But that's interesting that she, so this was Grace Whitney. Yes. And she might have grown up there, you know, but she also came back there as an older woman.
4: Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she lived overseas and came back as an older woman. And that's when she used to have tea up in the carriage house,
2: not as a child. Oh, okay, and, yeah. and that's interesting to me because, first of all, it makes it sound like if they did hear a voice of, the ch- of a child, then it might have been that boy you were talking about that was humming, you know, yeah. versus Grace, because the way they made it sound like, they made it sound like a, a little girl having a tea party with her teddy bears or something <laughs> like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
4: But one of the empaths or senses that we know, a uh, friends of ours, actually, she said she saw a little girl small girl described her in a dress, hair, uh, running between rooms as if she was playing. So she said, I mean, she's saying that as a little girl. It could have been a little boy and a little girl. So, uh, But as far as Grace, uh, we know Grace as the older woman. That okay. That, that teeth. right? Uh, but we did catch a woman's voice actually thanking us for coming up there. So uh, you can hear her clear as
2: day. Thank you for coming. Now, when you had the empath in there, and you said it was interesting that You guys had caught these EVPs, and the empaths had heard the same thing? Uh, Well,
4: they had described uh, um, who was up there. Uh, A couple of different empaths actually said, there's an angry man in this area. And the angry man was was just in the other room where Grace's table was at, where he, I guess he likes to stay. But we caught the voices of the angry man in uh, the room before Grace's table, as if he was in that room, uh, telling us to leave, because he was actually telling us to get out.
2: But they caught that independently of you. Uh, like they caught You didn't say like, hey, we heard a, a man's voice say get out before they heard that.
4: Yeah, no, they didn't know anything about the, uh, anything about Grace's table or the carriage house. All that information was kept back, so they didn't know anything. So when they started on separate occasions telling us what they're sensing, what they're feeling, I look over at Mark, he looks over at me, and we just kind of like, Yes. Okay. Well yeah,
3: We have something here. Keep telling us
4: something. Correct. Tell us more what you're feeling, what you're sensing.
2: Well, that's exciting. I mean, that's like when you talk about your friend confirming the shadow figure. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's those little bits of independent confirmation that make the investigation really exciting. Because now you're like, all right, well, if people are picking up the same kind of things, now there's something to it. So uh, you guys have been investigating the carriage house. And when the place was a hospice, is the, was the carriage house any kind of, was that place used then? For offices, mainly offices. Okay, so that was offices mainly. And what's interesting about it is that because of, there were offices there, because it was a hospice, because it was a family home, you know, because it later became even a restaurant, you know, where a lot of action happens, a lot of people come pass through, um, th- that angry man could come from anywhere. You know, yeah. he didn't have to be a member of the family. He oh. could have been a guy who was mad. He didn't like the work there. Like, he didn't like going to work every day. Who does? <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. so <laughs>
3: Uh, like, it could have been anything. He maybe was attached to something. Uh, it could, yeah. could have been anything.
4: It could have been a, an older man that, that actually you know, passed right. as a patient there, and he's still hanging around.
2: So that's some of the action you guys experienced in, in the carriage house. Now, in the show, Grant spends a lot of time. Mean, he spends his whole time in the main mansion, and they go up bit by bit through the mansion. and. He doesn't really find anything. I don't think he doesn't really get any evidence. They talked about the elevator following people. You know, so we talked about how it was a home with well, the first the first home with an elevator in the United States, and that the, the legend was that the elevator like would follow you and open the doors. And absolutely yeah. he, right, right. He figured out that it was you know that the elevator just whatever floor it stops on, it just opens the doors every five minutes.
3: Well, well I don't know if I really agree with yeah, because he said he debunked it, and I don't think I really agree with that. Not that, a, a
2: Not that we
4: don't think it's a a, 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 a a ghost is doing that, but like you said, he was saying he timed it every five minutes,
3: and uh, well, we've known um, what, about six months ago that a couple was up at the ghost bar. There was a, a couple with a little child, and they were going to take the elevator down to the first floor. The elevator opens, the child looks in there, and even though there was nobody in the elevator, the child refused to get in the elevator. He looked at his mom and dad and said, That elevator's full. I'm not getting on there. So and that kid refused to get on the elevator. Yeah.
2: And there's nobody in the elevator.
3: There's nobody on the elevator. Oh, that's that great. The kid would not get on the elevator. He said it's full. So that's why I don't maybe I I want to say they prove that it's debunked, but we've heard other stories of that happening also.
4: And there's so, a story that there's another story about the elevator that yeah. a lot of people don't know. Right. right? Go ahead. I was uh, reading a blog and uh, a woman said they, you know, the Whitney always talks about how haunted the place is, but yet they've never talked about. Uh, she says her grandfather was, was working at the bottom of the elevator in the shaft, repairing it. As the elevator came down, it killed him. She said her grandfather worked on the elevator back in the late 60s or something. Uh, so she says that they never talk about my grandfather who had passed away in the elevator. Now is the elevator riding up and down because the spirit doesn't want it on itself anymore? You know that's possible, but right. the stories that we've heard right. uh, about the elevator and about the little the child not refusing money. to get on because right. there's too
2: many people. So
3: for uh, to say that they debunked it, yeah, I, I, I don't necessarily agree
2: with that. Okay, so maybe the elevator is not following people, but there's definitely activity associated with the elevator.
4: Absolutely, yes. yeah.
2: And have you guys had any personal experiences or anything, or like felt uh, cold spots, or had any readings, or any weird stuff, or photos from there? In the, in the elevator, or in the house. The in the, in the. We'll get to the mansion, but in the elevator.
4: Uh, no, I. Uh, well, Mark's girlfriend Kathy, while we were doing a, uh, that was kind of weird. But yeah, I, we're doing an investigation, and uh, she was riding the elevator, and it was probably two or three o'clock in the morning. The elevator gets stuck between floors.
2: Okay. So she's
4: trapped inside the elevator. Uh, we are trying to get her out. Uh, the manager's with us, of course, Tony. Uh, he's with us every time we do investigations. So we finally get her out. But that was really the only thing that we've experienced as far as the elevator, you know, where they pissed off, you know, that right. – We're in the elevator investigating, and they said, I'm going to stop this elevator on you, or what? Who knows?
2: It's a 126 year old elevator. A lot of different things could
3: happen. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we don't know. But for it to happen at that certain time. Yeah, while we investigate Until we prove anything, no.
2: So, you guys haven't gotten to EVPs or anything particularly in there?
4: No, no, not in the elevator. And we've tried, but, you know, spirits are not going to talk to you when they, you know, when you want them to. They only do it when when they're ready to.
2: That's exactly right. Yeah. So, and also, Grant found this secret passage. Or, or, you know, he found, like, a secret button that opened to a safe. Was that really a secret, or did they, they tell him about that before he oh, did do, it? do you know something
4: that we don't, or what? Uh, uh, no, it's, you, it's hard to find that door. Right. You can't find it in the daytime. Okay. So,
3: yeah. so, did, did they tell him? They probably they did. They probably did, but... That's, thats our personal opinion, but Shonda Hollywood wants to make it exciting, right, you know? right.
2: No, and that's fine. I was just wondering about it because he acts like he's like, "Whoa, it's a secret passage." I'm like, "Okay, it's a secret door. That's pretty cool. To a safe. That's really cool. You yeah. know." But right. uh, you know, it's like Al Capone's vaults. Come on, what'd you get? Yeah, uh,
4: right. yeah. You, you just don't stumble upon that right. secret door. Yeah. We've that's been true. in there a million times, and we've we've been in every room, and you just don't find it. It's too hard.
2: Yeah. Well, one of the st- stories they also featured, or one of the experiences they also featured in the show, is something they didn't actually get on camera, but they were standing at the front stair. It was at the front staircase.
0: Yeah, and
2: so right, they the, at the main door. Basically, the yeah. main, They opened the main door, and one of the investigators is sitting there with one of the camera guys, and sees some kind of light like dancing around, and then fly down the staircase and move off to their right. And the camera guy's like, holy crap. You know, like he, yeah. um, you know, in, the camera's like, Hey, dude, that, that was amazing. And they didn't get catch any of it, even on the security camera. But yeah. what, what's the story with that, with that front room and the staircase?
4: You know, we've never caught anything uh, down there. So, I mean, they probably, maybe they did catch something, uh, but we've never caught any activity down on that first floor. And we've investigated that whole place. And, uh, you know, some days you're lucky. Some days are not. And they probably were lucky that day to catch something.
2: Okay. I mean, we'll come back to the show in, in a minute, but that kind of covers the, the stuff that they found on the show. So they had the stuff in the, in the front, they had the carriage house voice and some movement and the REM pod going, you know, so that's kind of what they got on the show. Now I'm more interested in what have you guys got there? like, in the in the main mansion, what is some of your most impressive evidence that you feel like, hey, there's something there?
4: The uh, the carriage house, of course, it seems to be the most active for us. Anytime okay. we go,
3: Oh, I see the carriage house is probably yeah. the most impressive. Yeah, I mean, because we've had stick figures that actually interact with us in the carriage house.
4: But the the main house, uh, the mansion itself, uh, we've caught uh, a couple real odd looking pictures. Uh, uh, we were uh, on the third floor. We were seven of uh, six of us members, actually five. We were in the carriage house trying to get Grace to talk to us. Two members were left in the mansion. My wife and another member, he was off in another room taking pictures. Okay. My wife was alone on the third floor of the ghost bar. She turns on her audio recording. She's, she's, she says, I'm standing here on the third floor of the Whitney ghost bar. That's all she says as the record is running. The next day, I listen to the audio. Listen again, I'm listening to it. She says, I'm standing here on the third floor of the Whitney Ghost Bar, and she catches a gentleman's voice saying the word restroom right after she says that. Uh, hmm. was, there was no other, well, Ed was the only other uh, male in the building, but he was off in another room. Uh, there's no way it could have been Ed actually talking right after her. So. But she did not hear it at the time.
2: Okay, so that's something that was picked up on the EVP. Or ca- I mean, I- camera or the audio recorder?
4: Digital. 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 Digital recorder. And uh, another one was uh, we caught a a picture uh, in a room of an older gentleman, a profile of an older man, uh, his reflection in the mirror Uh, that before because I stood there in the room and and started taking snapshot after snapshot in this one particular room. There was one member sitting in a chair below that mirror and and, uh, caught in the mirror above his head an image of an older man Uh, just for that one image, for that one frame that he was gone.
2: Okay, and so he didn't see it at the time.
4: No, no, we never did. We were the only two in that room, uh, but those are the only two weird things that we've ever captured That was the only EVP that we ever ca- uh, captured uh, so we're actually going back to do another investigation like Labor Day weekend, just to see if we can if we can you know gather more inside the mansion
2: okay, and inside the mansion is where people have said they've seen they, they said they have seen like a little girl and they say, seen the ghost of David Whitney and stuff like. so. There's been some visual manifestations of people's have said they've seen things and stories and stuff, but you guys haven't caught anything in particular besides the two things you had just mentioned.
4: Well, we've had some personal experiences uh, happen to us as we're standing there. Uh, We had a group, a paranormal dinner and we had about 25, 30 people in a room, all sitting in chairs and we're explaining to them what we do, what we caught. And we had all all our equipment on a table right by uh between me and mark okay. and as, as one of the dinner guests actually says have you guys ever had any experiences here in the house just like you're asking the uh the door of this dresser opens up by itself and uh i look down at it i look at mark the couple that asked that question are now they're dumbfounded and looking like did that just happen and, and, it, and it did it actually and it happened twice to us it actually uh, uh uh as i'm explaining the stories uh a, dress or door, a drawer just opens up by itself. So I look back, I'm like, okay, well, there it is again. Was it a paranormal or was it just a coincidence? You know, we don't know.
2: Still pretty weird. Yeah, pretty weird. So as most of the activity that you guys have found happens in the carriage house. Now, when you were talking about the stick figures interacting with the people, what do you mean by that?
4: Well, we, uh, we we're in the carriage house and uh, we had the, um, the X-cam pointed into the rafters in the second floor of the carriage house. Uh, because the some of the sensors said that they had sensed a man in that area, in that direction, and this is way before we started even using the X cam. So we were just it was on order. Uh, okay. So when we finally got it, we were going to test it out and point it into the rafters. Uh, little did we know, two figures actually started to appear on 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 the on the camera. We're like, okay, is there somebody up there, uh, or is it, or are we getting a false reading from this X cam? Sure. So in order for us to really verify if we got something paranormal, now we have to interact with it to see if these figures are going to do what we ask it to do. So as we're, as we're pointed up there, we're asking questions, and we're asking this ghost if it would come down, if, it, if it's a child, if it wants to play tag, if it wants to play hide and seek. So as we're saying these things, the figure starts to climb down the from the wall. rafters, right, uh, which is – uh, we're looking at this thing like, is this really happening? Oh you man! Know? Yeah, so yeah, we're actually catching actually this on video.
3: Out from the rafters, so it's,
4: so it's <laughs> uh, it actually did what we asked it to do. So we're like, okay, we've got we we know we've caught voices up here. Now we've got a figure that we're catching on video, the yeah. stick figure. Now it's doing what we're asking it to do. Uh, do we really have a ghost here or what? Uh, well, so right.
2: So that sounds to me like I mean that that to me has all the hallmarks of an intelligent. Yeah. You know, right. that's not just a haunting where it might be a recording of something. That's, right. I mean, that's something that communicates with you.
3: Absolutely. Well, same with the little child stick figure. We caught on a first floor. We got it. To, we actually uh, had a group of people and uh, we were on a first floor and we uh, picked up the stick figure. And it looked like a little child just standing. What? Maybe 10, 15 feet from us. Not maybe, far. Not even And we asked one of the guests to, to go out there and, and stand next to the stick figure. And once they got close to the stick figure, we told him to stop. And, and then uh, we asked the stick figure, uh, he said, would you like to interact with us? Would you like to play with us? And we told our guest to put his hand out. And he put his hand out. And we said, whoever you are, could you touch his hand? And the stick figure actually reached out and touched his hand.
2: Oh, man. So yeah. that was, I mean, that was like some kind of interaction with us. Yes. If it uses the, you know, if you say that you can see or that this camera, the SLS X cam, can see things. By using temperature and electromagnetic field no, and the whole deal. And do you guys have any of these videos online where we can link to them for people?
4: Yeah. It's on our uh, Facebook site. Yes. And okay. uh, all the videos that we've done are, are on there. Uh, so it's, you, you got to do a little re- uh, searching through our, our Facebook. But you'll find all the videos and stuff that, uh, that we've done.
2: I'll take a look at these. And then we'll have these on the show notes if you're listening right now and you want to see these videos othersidepodcast.com slash 106 is where you can find that. And it's also YouTube. Fantastic. Now, you guys had a big viewing party on Wednesday night at the Whitney, right? Yeah.
0: Yes. Great time. Okay.
2: Yeah. And and so it's fun to have a viewing party. It's fun to be like, this is the place where they actually shot. The, and they shot everything last year, correct?
4: Uh, the, the episode? Yeah. Yes. It was last year.
2: So that was yeah. all shot last year and just broadcast this week. So, you know, when you guys were watching it, was there any groan inducing moments? Was there anything that you guys like, you didn't get this right or you made that up for tv or what what were those moments
4: uh, you know uh, yeah we did we did get some of those moments where it's like you know we shook our head here and there and uh we said okay well some of it was yeah you can actually say they did catch something but uh you know i didn't want to sound
3: right we, know, hate, we really hate this yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs>
2: Sure, but like when people are looking for the real story, or do you, you feel like anything was misrepresented between the experiences you had and the work you guys have put in investigating it and what the average person might think about the Whitney?
4: No, I, I think, you know, as far as the show, uh, they did a good job. Ghost yes. Hunters did a real good job. Uh, other than the door,
2: the secret door, right.
4: they had to have known about that. Right. Uh, but no, they did, they did well, a great job. And the, job on and the bench.
2: Oh, right. He finds the bench and tries yeah, to find yeah,
4: was the, They were told that, that it was yeah, I mean, you don't—you just don't yeah. find these things. But no, they did—they yeah. did a good job on the show.
2: So, well, that's great because you always hear stories of like, oh man, when they filmed the reality TV show here, it was completely misrepresented or they completely screwed it up. But if they got the history and the spirit of the place correct, that's what counts. Yes. Yeah, yeah,
3: the most oh, yeah. part, oh, yeah. oh, yes. yeah.
2: for, that. for the most part, they did a good job. Okay. I'm glad to hear that because um, my experiences with reality television have always been people are like, oh my God, they edited this to make it look so stupid. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and were the people that owned the place, the managers, everything, were they pleased with how everything looked and turned out? Yeah,
4: I believe so. They were there at the viewing party. The party,
2: right? And Yeah,
4: yeah. yeah. The, uh, they, they enjoyed it. It was a great time, so.
2: Okay. Time for
4: everybody. Yeah, it was really
2: good time. Okay, that's awesome. And then it also drums up some interest for your next paranormal dinners. And the next time you guys have an investigation and everything, now you can point to people too. It's like, okay, here's what we found. And if you want to see, you know, a forty five minute summary of the place that we love to investigate, here's an example. Now you can find on the Sci Fi Network. Yeah, yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. So, but the Whitney is just one place that you guys have done right i mean we got time for probably a couple more stories and i'm interested in you know so the the whitney's fun and it's a place you guys can keep coming back to and it's a it's a bar and it's a restaurant so it's a place where you can keep coming like we have places in madison like certain bars that are haunted that we do in the ghost tours and everything it's like well you want to go to those places because they're fun and they have stories and history in your other investigations what do you think is the top piece of evidence that you guys have gotten in the past few years?
4: Wow. There's, there's a few places that we've been to uh, that we've caught uh, some great EVPs. Uh, the Queen Mary was one. The, the, um, the floral shop in Brooklyn. Um, a floral shop here in Michigan. Uh, it was an afternoon Phenomenal. investigation. Yeah. Caught one of the loudest EVPs we've ever captured ever.
2: Okay, so let's set the stage for the floral shop here. First, okay, uh, first of all, so how old was the building? Well,
4: I, I don't know the date, but it was a, it was a brothel at one time, right. a restaurant. I think it was a bank. Uh, now it's a floral shop. So it used to sell deflowering,
2: and now it sells flowers.
4: Yeah, yeah. Right. And it, was a, uh, it right. was a funeral parlor. Right,
3: funeral
4: parlor. Uh, there's two apartments that were upstairs of this building. The guy committed suicide. Right. Well, we were down in the basement.
3: Where the shrine. Where the where there's, they had. surrounded sh- by sea salt. Yeah, <laughs> it, was it was a shrine where. It had a goat's head and two deer. There was, yeah. It was a two deer head and a goat's head in it. Yeah. And we were told not to mess with it, don't touch it.
2: Okay. So we wait, wait, all right, hold on, dudes. So, how did you guys hear about this place?
4: <laughs> it was uh, one of our members uh, loves to go out in the country and do some uh, what do you, antique shopping and right. ran across this florist shop. They walked in and they looked at the flowers and they just happened to have a discussion with the owner uh, about ghosts. And she says, well, I'm part of a team. If you're interested to have somebody come out, we can come out and investigate. So we came out the following week. She was really excited about it. Two o'clock in the afternoon, caught some of the best amazing evidence we ever have caught.
2: Okay. So you guys go out there in the afternoon and so the, the florist shop is the main thing. So you get there and... Who tells you that there's some kind of altar in the basement?
3: Angel, the owner of the uh, the floral shop.
2: Now, is this something that she made, or was it already there, or?
3: It's, it was already there. We don't know how long it's been there, but when uh, she actually bought the floral shop, uh, the owner told her, "Do not disturb it. Just leave it alone."
2: Okay, so some heavy metal band made an altar in the basement with a goat's head and a couple of deer. Yeah,
3: yeah. surrounded by seesaw saw so, uh, and uh, in a window. In, in a window. And uh, uh, the room it was in, a medium told us there was what, seven or eight demons in there? Yeah. So, so what kind of weird, maybe satanic, I don't know, ritual they were doing, we don't know. We really couldn't get any more information because they really didn't want to tell us.
2: Right. And they may not have known anything about it. Just when they bought the building, the, the previous owner says, Yeah, you know, there's an altar with some goats at. Yeah.
3: That's what he told you.
2: <laughs> yeah. You know yeah. what? Don't even sweat it.
3: Yeah, right. But uh, well, we would really love to know more about the shrine, but they wouldn't tell us anymore. Okay, it's, it's a shrine down there, and it's surrounded by sea salt. There's eight demons in this room, and
4: and, and she asked us. he goes, yeah. "You guys want to investigate us?" And yeah, absolutely. That's why, that's why we're here. <laughs> so, so and uh, we caught an amazing,
2: amazing EVP, loudest EVP we ever caught. So that's a that's a good setup. And yeah. and when you, when you get in there. There's some kind of act, you know, people are, have reports of activity happening in the flower shop. Now, when you guys get this EVP, what are you saying? What, what's, how many people are in the room? Who's doing the talking? What happened?
4: Uh, two people, two investigators are in that room. Uh, Mark and myself, we were another part of the building, uh, investigating another area. Uh, one member, or one member, Ray, he actually has his digital recorder up to this shrine because it's like on top by a window. Uh, the other member, uh, member, Ed, he's off to the side, and they're in this, it's a very small room. It's a small bathroom, and uh, Ray's asking all a whole bunch of questions, and he looks over to Ed and says, Ed, is there anything you'd like to say? And the only thing Ed says was, is, I would like to take your picture. So the, between, between the time Ray says, would you like to add anything, and Ed's saying, I want to take your picture, we get a male voice, uh, and uh, saying the word, no, but he says it so loud in, a, in an angry way, uh, and it's as loud as we're talking. Okay, and, uh, yeah, and as and when I put it on our analyzer, I have a uh, uh audio software, uh, you can't even see the word no as it's you know, you have the analyze the audio line,
2: mm-hmm. the the so wave you, file,
4: yeah, so you can actually hear you can see Ray, but you you see nothing when the man says no, then you hear Ed and the wave file.
3: We actually have a video of it on our site. Yeah. We okay. actually have an audio of that. Oh, on our the shrine, also. Yeah, yeah.
2: Okay, so you know we're going to link to that. <laughs> Absolutely. The, the Mystery yeah. Floral Shop in Detroit. Oh, man. I got to thank you guys very much for joining us today on the show. We really appreciate it. Now, if people want to find more about the Haunt Investigators of Michigan, where can they find that?
4: On Facebook. And there is a link uh, to our webpage on Facebook.
2: Okay, fantastic. Exactly. Yeah. And, and if somebody uh, is in the area, and might have an interesting place for you guys to investigate or might have some experiences do you guys do homes as well as yes we do so uh, the Haunt Investigators in Michigan are ready to believe you and we'll have that linked up so if you're in the Detroit area and you've had some kind of experiences these are one of the groups you can call who are reliable and safe and trusted uh, in this kind of thing not to take advantage of you or screw up or or charge or anything like that right
4: absolutely correct Fantastic. We're going to give you an open invitation. Yes, open invitation. On Labor Day, we're going to be doing the the Whitney investigating, along with the the, the Canfield House. Uh, we have a, a a professional piano player who's going to play while we're investigating and stop to see if we get a reaction from the the ghost of uh, David Whitney's daughters, That's who right. are also uh, pianists. Uh, so we're giving you an invitation to come out with Lisa yeah. if you want. Come on up. Investigate the Whitney Lisa. with us yeah. on Labor Day weekend.
2: Awesome. Awesome. Well, I don't know if I'll we'll make it Labor Day, but I'm definitely going to make it to do an investigation. And uh, Lisa's going to take me, probably take us to the group around Detroit, and we'll all come back and we'll do an investigation at the Whitney with you guys.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: So I thought those were really nice guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. And there's none of the usual, like, Michigan, Wisconsin rivalry. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. That you can have with sometimes people from the Midwest. Like, it, obviously, we're not, it's not Ann Arbor versus Madison today. So it was nice. To just talk yeah. about ghosts with a, with a Michiganite, a Michigander.
1: Well, right. And our fellow paranormal enthusiasts
2: tend to be pretty cool and nice people and not jerks. They, they almost, cha- they almost <laughs> so, changed my opinion on wanting to invade the UP and take, oh, and take it Mike. back. Mike. So the Upper Peninsula of Michigan uh, is attached to Wisconsin. And um, so if you guys don't have your maps in front of you. And, it's atta- and the thing is, it's attached to Wisconsin. So I think we should have it. So yeah. I've always recommended like the Wisconsin State Troopers just crossing the line and taking it over. And <laughs> that way we can have all the Bigfoots up there to ourselves.
1: Oh, and there's so much
2: beautiful land up there and the, the boundary waters and everything. Mm-hmm. Like it's pretty. We, we deserve it, I think. I agree. So, I mean, I, I like those guys It almost made me rethink my position. But they can keep lower Michigan and Detroit and everything. Yeah. And they, get they, to got, go, they got plenty of,
1: yeah, and of they their get,
2: own. They get to go to Canada whenever they want true it's really close right and you know and so they get to take advantage there's a good exchange rate they get to go to the duty free stores that's right the duty free stores yeah so anyway these these guys But I I thought the Marks were great guys I really enjoyed talking to them and it was interesting to get their perspective and their evidence on what they found at the Whitney restaurant in Detroit but you know we're talking about the rivalry that midwestern cities have and I mean Detroit's a big city like Milwaukee or like Minneapolis or you know and they're all everybody's second rate to Chicago yeah, And then we're in Madison, which is the <laughs> mid-sized city, so um, there's not that much rivalry there. But the thing is, people from the Midwest and around the world do sometimes, well, they dump on Detroit, like it's a punching bag. Especially recently, it seems like. Right, because the city's had some rough times, and, and people yeah. treat it like a punching sad. bag. sad. Even though it's a great place, and we've played there, we've always had good times. Definitely. And had you know great people. And so anyway, this is this is a a song this week uh, about how people will use other things as a punching bag to make themselves feel better. They'll, Mm -hmm. you know, and and, and the Germans have a word for it. (laughs) Nice. Right. And so that the Germans have a word for it. And so that we're using that word as the name of this week's song. This one's called Schadenfreude.
0: just a little part of me that's just so happy to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side.